It is Friday, October 18th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 7 DraftKings podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And this podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the lineup builder tool available on DraftSharks.com, and you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at FanshareSports.com. On DraftSharks, you can also find all of Jared's top picks for playing on DraftKings this and every weekend. He's got you covered with picks for cash games and GPP lineups. Come Saturday morning, you can also find our lineups that we're playing against each other in round seven of the Crown His Ass Challenge, and frankly... We might have to just go ahead and crown Jared's ass early in this competition this year because you have now got a 5-1 to one lead on me for the season. What went right for you this week besides playing against me? I just have more time to spend on this than you do, let's be honest. <laughs> that, that's certainly true. Um, <laughs> I, will, I will not say that, that, is the, <laughs> that that's uh, the only reason. I, I also, I'm also not very good at this, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> It seems like the key to last week was just playing Austin Hooper because I, I played him here, you didn't, and I won. And then over at FanDuel, you played Hooper, I didn't, and you took me down. So, you know, Hooper in that matchup against the Cardinals was, uh, I think, the difference maker. Yeah, never don't play Austin Hooper. That's the lesson here, kids. Never don't play a tight end against the Cardinals. <laughs> there you go. Tyler Boyd let me down. Cooper Cup let me down. Otherwise, uh, I just got no ceilings from anybody besides Lamar Jackson. So we'll both be back at it for week seven. You'll be able to find our lineups in the free post for this podcast on DraftSharks.com come Saturday morning. For now, though, Jared, please start us off with a cash QB. Just going to keep rolling with Matt Ryan. 6300 bucks this week on DraftKings. He actually comes in as the top dollars per point value at not just quarterback, but at any position. Um, he, he's first in our week seven quarterback rankings. He's just seventh in DraftKings salary. He's gotten that 300-yard bonus in all six games so far, averaging 27.4 DraftKings points per game. He's only dipped below 23.5 points one time. Should be another shootout here in Atlanta, in the Dome, versus the Rams, who should put up plenty of points on this Falcons defense. The Rams added Jalen Ramsey this week, and obviously helps their secondary, but they've also lost the keep to leave and safety uh, John Johnson over the past two weeks. So it's you know not a matchup I'm going to be scared of this week or going forward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Matt Ryan's second among all quarterbacks in DK points per game so far this year. Two plus touchdown passes in every game except for the Tennessee game. The the ownership's likely to be spread around at quarterback this week because there are lots of similarly priced options with plenty of upside. So I don't think owned rate is really going to affect our decisions here. I agree. I think Matt Ryan here stands out for his price and his situation and the production that he's had so far this season. Yeah, just just feel super safe. Yeah. So what about tourney side? Who's your guy? I'm going to the other side of that game with Jared Goff coming in at a 9.8% projected ownership. So not super low, but also I think, you know, quite a bit lower than it would have been had he not just bombed last week in that game against the Niners. That was ugly. It's it's some concern going forward and for this week, but I just, I, I'll bet on the Rams offense bouncing back over, you know, betting on anything in this Falcons defense. The, the Falcons are 
31st in Football Outsiders pass defense DVOA. They're 31st in Pro Football Focus's pass coverage grades. They're 31st in DK points allowed to quarterbacks. 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. I'm probably saying too much because everyone everyone knows the Falcons defense sucks and you know play guys against them. That includes Goff and his pass catchers this week. Yeah, Jared Goff stunk last week. He has not been very good all season. But now he goes to a stadium where Marcus Mariota threw three first-half touchdowns earlier this season. That's Marcus Mariota, who has now been replaced by Ryan Tannehill in the lineup. So there is no better place to play quarterback. So yeah, Jared Goff is definitely in the mix. Matt Ryan's in the mix. The 6K range on DraftKings is just loaded. I mean, Mm -hmm. besides the two guys we've already talked about, I think Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson are both attractive. It looks like the sneakiest is going to be Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. They're both projected for single-digit ownership by fan share right now. I think it's unlikely that Russell Wilson has another big week without bringing Tyler Lockett along as he did last week. In Cleveland, Russell Wilson threw two touchdown passes to Jerron Brown. He ran for a third touchdown. No Seahawks player saw more than five targets. Even then, Lockett caught all five of his targets for 75 yards. So that's a 12 and a half point day on DraftKings. So even if Tyler Lockett doesn't deliver, he's not going to crash if Russell Wilson has a good day unless he gets injured. I think it's a fairly safe duo. I think you're getting him at lower ownership than you should this week. And I think it's a good matchup, Baltimore versus Seattle, to target really on either side for value here. Yeah, I agree. And just at quarterback in general, there are, like you said, so many good options, high upside options at decent prices this week. And the ownership is going to be spread out. So I think it's a week to maybe, you know, target the wide receivers you want to use in tournaments and then stack your quarterback based on that. So like, like you're saying, if you want to use Tyler Lockett at low ownership, then you, you know, use that as a reason to plug Russell Wilson into that lineup. Yeah. And Baltimore, by the way, has been a positive scoring matchup for both quarterbacks and wide receivers, according to our strength of schedule formula. And the game itself has the third highest over under on the main slate this week. Yep. Over to running back. What do you have on cash? Uh, sticking with that Seahawks-Ravens game, Chris Carson, 6500 bucks, um, third among all running backs in total opportunities over the past three weeks. 83 total opportunities in those three games, 26-plus in all three of them. So the guy's getting awesome volume, especially you know at you know still 6500 bucks. I think he's still at least $500 cheaper than he should be. Seahawks are home favorites this weekend in that game against the Ravens. We like that. Seattle has the fourth-highest implied total on the week and the Ravens haven't been a scary matchup for running backs. They're they're 14th in DraftKings points allowed to running backs. They're 15th in our adjusted fantasy points allowed. Yeah. I'm going to also mention Leonard Fournette, even though he's leaving chalk dust footprints behind him this week, (laughs) he's probably going to be 71% owned on DraftKings and it, it just doesn't matter. He's second behind only Christian McCaffrey in opportunities per game so far this year. Fournette's seen 19 plus opportunities carries plus targets every single week. The past three weeks, he has seen 32, 30, and 26. Now he gets the Bengals, who are providing the league's largest scoring boost to running backs, ahead of Miami, well ahead of number three, Washington. And Fournette's $1,000 cheaper than Dalvin Cook and 800 bucks cheaper than David Johnson. So he's more of a value than other guys who are on a similar, similar level in terms of matchup and touch count. So Fournette's an easy cash pick. And because he's so easy, I want to also mention, I think Josh Jacobs at 5,000 is in play for cash, but I know that you have him on the tournament side. So why don't you tell us what to like about him? Yeah, I agree. He's in play in cash. He just like sort of breaks 
the rules I try to follow for cash game running backs. I want guys who are super involved in the passing game and ideally are, you know, at home and favored it in the game. Josh Jacobs, you know, his passing game role is a little shaky. Raiders are road favorites in Green Bay. But Jacobs has, you know, when he's been healthy, he had that one game where he was, you know, dealing with an injury and he was sick during the week where he really struggled. But when he's been healthy, he's been getting, you know, the the vast majority of the running back carries. He did catch three passes his last time out against the Bears. That was, um, I believe that was a season high. I know he ran a season high um, 50% of the routes in that game. So it does seem like his passing game role is increasing. But I, I think we're playing him here. For the rushing upside, the Packers 26th in football outsiders run defense rankings. PFF has them 30th in run defense, and Green Bay's allowed the eighth most DraftKings points to running backs. Yeah, the matchup for rushing is good, and I think the game is has been miscast by the Vegas projection. I think it should be closer in terms of the line on the game, and especially because of all the injuries at wide receiver for Green Bay. Devontae Adams has officially been ruled out now, and I just saw where the where uh, Matt LaFleur said for Marquez Valdez Scantling and Geronimo Allison says they have 48 hours to quote see if they come around so it's possible that we don't have either of those guys even active for the game I, I certainly think that would hurt the chances of Green Bay jumping out to a big lead over Oakland and game scripting Jacobs out of it really the the other selling point on Jacobs is that his salary looks like a mistake I had to mm-hmm. Just, I had to. I, I found it first in our lineup builder tool. I had to go over to DraftKings just to make sure that we didn't have something wrong in the connection there that was showing the wrong salary for him. He's tenth among main slate running backs in DK points per game. He's twenty third in price this week, and we're coming off. You know, granted it was two weeks ago, but we're coming off a tremendous performance against the Bears. So I don't understand why his price is where it is. All of the nine backs that are ahead of Jacobs in DK points per game cost at least 1200 more in salary. The closest guy behind him is Carlos Hyde. The closest guy behind him who doesn't cost as much or more is Carlos Hyde. And Carlos Hyde is nearly five points per game behind what, behind what Jacobs is scoring. Yep, I agree. He's too cheap, and, and that's why, again, I, I might I might break my own rules and use him in cash games. The other interesting guy, right, you know, 100 bucks ahead of Josh Jacobs is Carrion Johnson, who also feels too cheap, even though the matchup isn't great against Minnesota. Yeah, his matchup stinks. Right, give me give me Jacobs, but I make sure that you don't break your own rules for your crown-his-ass lineup. At least. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. On the tournament side, I like Tevin Coleman. It's Tevin Coleman week for me, 5,600 bucks. He scored one touchdown in last week's win over the Rams. I think he would be more expensive this week if any of his other multitudinous chances at reaching the end zone actually got him there. Should have scored twice, could have easily scored three times in that game. Now he faces Washington, which is a top, it's the third best scoring matchup for running backs. It's a top six scoring matchup for every position. So San Francisco, it's just going to be a matter of how they want to score their points this week. They should score plenty of them. The Niners are the most run-heavy offense in the league, so we know that rushing opportunities will be there. They are 10-point road favorites, so it should be positive game script for Coleman. He led the Niners in carries each of the two games since he returned from the ankle injury, 16 and 18 carries. Last week, he saw an uptick in his passing game usage, led the running backs in pass routes, so we don't really have to worry about that aspect either. Everything about his spot this week screams tremendous situation both for I think floor and ceiling for Coleman and he's still projected for just about 12 percent ownership I think he should be at 20 plus percent yep I'm moving on Coleman I, I even think he sort of like Jacobs is in play for cash and it's just a better play in tournaments yep I agree all right wide receiver what are you playing for cash games 
Cash wide receiver, T.Y. Hilton, who is just too cheap, fifty nine hundred bucks. Um, it's down seven hundred from his week one price. It's seven hundred, or sorry, nine hundred cheaper than his peak price this season. He checks in as the top dollars per point value based on our week seven projections. Hilton's averaged seventeen point eight DraftKings points in his four games this season. He's posted at least fourteen point three in only one game. That was last time out against the Chiefs where he was coming back from an injury. The Colts barely threw the ball at all in that game. Now Hilton comes off the bye week. He's off the injury report and he gets a Texans team that he's just dominated throughout his career. His last six games against Houston have included lines of nine catches for 199 yards, four catches for 115, five for 175 and two touchdowns, nine catches, 115 and a score. He loves this matchup and the Texans Pass defense has been no better this year than it was in any of those other years. Houston's actually 28th right now in DK points allowed to wide receivers, and they're going to be without their best cornerback, according to PFF grades, Bradley Roby. And Jonathan Joseph still looks iffy after missing last week's game with a hamstring injury. Yeah, I mean, T.Y. Hilton could easily be this week's Will Fuller or Stephon Diggs. Granted, it's going to be at a much higher own rate, but he absolutely Mm -hmm. could be the guy that you have to have in whatever contest. Yep, agreed. I'm going to go down to a guy that surprised even me as my selection. Adam Humphreys at 3400 bucks. I yeah. checked the DK dollars per point projections in setting up my notes. I was surprised to see Adam Humphreys third in the rankings there. But at 3400 bucks, he has seen six-plus targets in three of the past four games. He caught at least four passes in each of those three games where he saw six-plus targets. He, according to the Pro Football Focus matchup chart, he has the best individual matchup of the top three Tennessee wideouts for this game against the Chargers. And most importantly, Humphreys doesn't need to do anything big to give us good value on his $3,400 salary. If he gives us 10 DraftKings points, which is, you know, six catches for 40 yards or four catches for 60 yards, he's basically tripled the value on his salary. So he's a good foundational piece i don't think there's a high ceiling for a tournament but for cash i think it, he's a good one to stick in there and use that extra salary somewhere else i'm all for cheap wide receivers but that that just that that feels gross to me <laughs> i can't say that it doesn't but it makes <laughs> more i looked at the at the lineup builder and i was like adam humphries yeah. and then i looked at the numbers and i was like all right i see it yeah i get it. i get it i mean he's not He's not going to hurt you because even if he scores five points, it's not going to hurt you. There's just there's little upside to him. But I guess if you're, you know, you can I'm sure you can load up elsewhere if you use thirty four hundred dollar Adam Humphreys. Yeah, I mean, cash only because he could give you a zero yeah. at thirty four hundred and you can still make up for it somewhere else. Sure. Yep. Maybe I'll maybe I'll toy with a with a Humphreys lineup just to see what it does. <laughs> tournament side, what you got? I'm going Brandon Cooks as one, the guy to stack with my tournament quarterback, Jared Goff, and really just to use even in lineups without Jared Goff this week. I, I just think it's a, a nice you know, potential breakout spot for Cooks this season. He's been quiet so far, but this game against the Falcons, really any of the Rams wide receivers could go off in this game. All of them could go off, but Cooks is the cheapest at fifty dollars $5,400. And he also is coming in with a projected um, lowest ownership at 8.1%. Um, the, the Falcons, by the way, have allowed the fourth most pass plays of 20 plus yards and the sixth most pass plays of 40 plus. So I, I like Cooks to make a big player too on Sunday. Yeah, I like, I like Cooks. I wanted to talk up Robert Woods as well. I agree with you that they are all in play. I, I still can't get pass Cooper Cup though even with the high ownership projection here he's projected for 21 plus percent ownership but 
I mean, he's just been dominating before last week against the Niners. He's 18 targets ahead of Robert Woods for the team lead on the season. Before that Niners game, four straight games of nine-plus targets and 100-plus receiving yards. Scored four touchdowns in the three games before the San Francisco matchup. So I would not fade Cooper Cup in a tournament despite his ownership. I think if you're building a Jared Goff lineup with Cooper Cup, you, you I, I think you stack Cooper Cup and add a second Ram pass catcher to that to try to differentiate whether it be Woods, Cooks, or even uh, tight end Gerald Everett, who's sub 4,000 bucks. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Everett because I do like him if you're playing Goff in a tournament. That's always the problem with Goff is just knowing who to stack him with. So I I think, especially this week in this matchup, it might make sense to just you know, make five Jared Goff lineups and just mix and match different wide receiver combinations. Yeah, and real quick on the tight end matchup, Falcons have been sneaky weak against tight ends so far this year. Three touchdowns over the past two weeks to Darren Fells and Max Williams, a 71% catch rate to the position on the season. Overall, they've faced basically nothing, including a hampered Delaney Walker. I mean, the only good tight end that they've faced is Zach Ertz to this point. He was a bit limited, but still had a, a good PPR outing against them. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta's bad against everything. Yes. And I want to go back and mention Christian Kirk at 5000 bucks. I can't make him like my primary. You got to use him because by the time people are listening to this, he might have been ruled out for the game and it's going to be yeah. worthless. But Cliff Kingsbury said earlier this week that Kirk has to be 100% before he returns to the field. So if Christian Kirk is active for this game, we shouldn't be getting him in the kind of role that Demir Bird played last week where he returned mm-hmm. and only played like a quarter of the snaps. If Kirk is back in the lineup, we should expect something back to normal usage for him. And, you know, it's a high volume offense, still a high upside matchup against the Giants. So I, he will certainly be in my plans if he's active. Yeah, I like that call. Feel, feels like Kirk has more upside than Larry Fitzgerald and he's, you know, what, 1100 bucks cheaper. Mm-hmm. All right. Tight end now. What you got for cash? So man, I was I was all set to use Evan Ingram in cash. Then I you know pull up the DraftKings salaries, and he is what what is he sixty eight hundred bucks this week? Yeah, expensive. Yeah, sixty eight hundred bucks versus oh, sorry sixty five hundred bucks versus Hunter Henry at four thousand dollars. I, I I can't I can't fathom spending you know twenty five hundred more on Evan Ingram versus Hunter Henry, who I I still think is you know a borderline elite fantasy tight end. He reminded us of that. In his return last week, eight catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns against the Steelers. He did that on just 66% of the snaps. You know, they they did limit him a bit in his first game back. I expect him to be closer to a full go, maybe a full go this week. Um, Henry played 92% of the snaps in week one, so I think he's going to be closer to that. And the Titans, um, you know, tougher against wide receivers than tight ends. Football Outsiders actually has Tennessee 24th in tight end coverage. Yeah, it's it's too Hunter Henry's too good a mix of price role, talent, individual matchup here, you know, what the team will need from him. I agree at 4,000 bucks. He stands out as easily the top option here leads our tight ends and DK dollars per point projections. And the next two behind him both cost at least $700 more than he does. Yeah. Yeah. Just too cheap. Yeah. On the tournament side, I think it's loaded. There are lots of options here. If you're paying up on the high end, I like Mark Andrews at 4900 bucks, facing the best tight end scoring matchup, according to our Strength of Schedule page. We mentioned that earlier. I think Hunter Henry is in play here. His own rate's projected for 15%, so that's a little bit high. Might make you see if you can get up to Mark Andrews, who's a little bit lower. But even so, if you want to keep the cost down and stay under $4,000, we have got Everett at 3700 that we already mentioned. TJ Hawkinson at 3,600 against the Vikings, who have allowed the third most tight end receptions in the league so far. They have faced more targets at the position than any other team in the league so far. 
limited production from tight ends against the Vikings overall, you know, despite the catch volume. But there have been three guys that caught six plus balls at the position against Minnesota. Just last week, Zach Ertz only caught five, but he combined with Dallas Goddard for nine catches for 102. So Vikings opponents are targeting tight ends. And if we get TJ Hawkinson targets this week, it could be a good one. Yeah, I'm I'm on all those guys. Um, Andrews is my main dude at tight end for tournaments. I, I do like Everett Hawkinson. I'll throw in Dawson Knox too. Tyler Croft is it looks like he's going to be back this week, which adds some risk. But I I just think Dawson Knox is a talented pass catching tight end, and he gets this Dolphins matchup where you know pretty much anyone on the field for Buffalo has touchdown upside. Yeah, I agree. The matchup puts him in the mix, and even below him, thirty one hundred, thirty two hundred, Darren Fells yeah. and Jordan Aikens in a nice matchup against the Colts. I just don't know which one to use. That's my problem. Yep. It, it is a problem. <laughs> Maybe I got to use them both in in a lineup each. There you go. Or you can just put them together in the same one so you don't have to use Adam Humphreys. You can flex <laughs> one of them. That, that, would be, that would be a very contrarian lineup. It wouldn't be the first time this season that they both scored a touchdown if they did it. That's true. At flex, what are you actually playing? So in cash, um, it's it's that running back range we talked about. Tevin Coleman, 5,600. Carryon Johnson, I'll mention at 51, but I do probably prefer Josh Jacobs for 5,000. So it'll be one of those running backs in the flex spot for cash. Then tournaments, um, a couple more guys we didn't mention that I think have some upside. Calvin Ridley in that Rams-Falcons game. Um, if Jalen Ramsey shadows Julio Jones, and you're going to get Ridley on Troy Hill, which is a matchup we like Calvin Ridley in. And then Mike Williams, um, 4600 bucks. Matchup isn't ideal against Tennessee, but Williams has seen 30 targets over his last three games. And he's also um, second among all wide receivers in air yards over those three weeks, 480 air yards. So he's been getting good opportunity. He hasn't really cashed in yet, but I, I think he has upside at his price tag. Yeah, dropped a long one from Phillip Rivers on last week against the Steelers, but then came back and made a really nice catch uh, like two plays later, I think. They've been targeting yep. him a lot. That's a matchup I want to probably stay away from in general, but I can certainly see it on the tournament side. I like the running backs that you mentioned, and I, I also like the 4K tight ends that we were talking about. Hunter Henry, Mark Andrews, even Darren Waller is attractive for target volume. The matchup says that it's not a great spot for him. But, I mean, Derek Carr might be out of other guys to throw to at this point if they do fall behind against Green Bay. And when you compare them to the running backs or wide receivers in a similar price range, I mean, if that's what I'm looking to spend, then I like those options. That'll probably be my primary pool, and then we'll see if I have money left over to make it up to somebody like Fournette, Dalvin Cook, DJ, Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I, I do think the um, double tight end lineup still makes sense in tournaments, just how those tight ends are priced compared to the other positions. Mm-hmm. Defense. I, I'm not getting suckered into the $1,500 Dolphins or the $1,700 <laughs> Washington this week. I'd probably prefer Washington between them, yeah. but I don't think I'm going either. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. I think Washington I would lean towards. I think the Colts at 2K are an option. Defense is, is tough this week. I mean, Buffalo and San Fran are obviously the elite plays, but they're they're too expensive for me to use in cash games. I do. I think my favorite cash play is the Lions at twenty three hundred bucks. And again, it's mostly price savings play, but they are at home. They've been a pretty good defense. Football Outsiders has them twelfth in DVOA. PFF has them thirteenth in their defense rankings, and they've been decent in fantasy too. They're actually seventh among main slate defenses in DraftKings points per game. Uh, they have 10 sacks and 11 takeaways through their five games. Yeah, I agree with you on the Colts being an option at 2000 If I need the money, they have big sack upside against Houston. They got, they sacked Patrick Mahomes four times the last time they played. And then Houston right tackle Titus Howard is out for this one. So it only makes that matchup mm-hmm. even a little bit better. But I also like the ceiling better on Detroit. 
two plus takeaways in four straight games now. And really, Detroit should be pretty fired up for a divisional matchup back at home after a Monday night game that they probably feel like the refs stole from them. Yeah, they did. They did steal it from them. <laughs> so, I mean, beyond that, I, I, I agree. It's a garbage slate that I, if I, if I'm, if I'm sitting there with leftover money, I'm probably seeing if I can get up to the Bills and Niners. Nothing else in between is as exciting. Yeah, Bills and Niners, I'll try to use in tournaments. And the other team I might try to use in tournaments is the Bears at three thousand bucks. I just think it's a good defense at home, and the Saints are banged up. Alvin Kamara probably not going to play, and then Jared Cook might miss the game too. So I think Chicago has upside, and and they're only projected at eight percent ownership. Makes sense to me. That's going to do it for this Week Seven edition of the DraftKings podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to read all of Jared's top picks for playing on DK this weekend. Check out our full Week Seven rankings and mess around with the lineup builder. Tool. That's where you can find DK dollars per point projections, ceiling projections, and customizable strategy options. Check back Saturday morning. You can see who Jared and I are playing against each other in the next round of the Crown is Ass Challenge, which is soon going to be the Jared Smola Challenge. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schauf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 